the courage, questioning norms and finding the real conversation, a space for intentional, motivational, and courageous conversations. This is Carrie Promozik, your host. You got this, courageous people. This is the third episode in the three-part series, The Courage to Talk Christianity Today. On this episode, I am talking with Pastor Ben about some hard topics, church and politics, patriarchy, and yes, the institution, and how it may be getting in the way of God's work. Ben K. Wickner, the founding pastor of Cross Community Church located in Gaithersburg, Maryland, and the founder and executive director of the nonprofit Cross Community Incorporated, which operates the Equity Center, a family support and community development organization that works to empower the marginalized and vulnerable. Ben has served as a local church pastor for the past 24 years, where he has established himself as an innovator in the faith community, an effective community activist, and a thought leader. He is an advocate and activist for human dignity, early childhood development, and social equity. Ben obtained his Master's of Divinity from Westminster Theological Seminary in California in 1999 and is a graduate of the 2020 core class of Leadership Montgomery. Ben and his wife Erin have been married for nearly 30 years and are the parents of seven children and the grandparents of one highly energetic granddaughter. Pastor Ben keeps this courageous conversation rooted in Jesus and the Bible, all while challenging the hardest parts of Christianity today. So, get ready. Here we go. Hello and welcome. Today we are being uh, talking about Christianity and the church. And today, Pastor Ben Wickner with us um, to do that for us with Cross Community Church. Welcome, Ben. Thank you very much. I'm glad to be here with you. Yes, me too. Okay, so um First, before we get started, I would love for you to just take a moment and introduce yourself to a little bit about you, maybe your back or your Christian background and just anything about you you want to share. Oh boy, that's a, such a <laughs> big question, but um, or a big answer, I, but I'll try to keep it really simple and brief. Um, backwards or forwards, I've been a pastor for 23 years, uh, came out of a reform Presbyterian fairly traditional model of ministry, uh, seminary trained and, and all of that good stuff. Uh, grateful for that, but I would say that uh, I've been on a, uh, a lifelong journey of learning, of just growing in my own understanding of truth and uh, faith and and what it means to be a follower of Jesus. And so the last uh, five years in particular have been really um, transformational for me in terms of how ministry looks like. What does it mean to lead a church? What does it mean to to uh, do the work that God has called me to 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 do? And so it it we're still on the journey. I'm nowhere near the end, as far as I can tell. And so it's been a lot of fun, but it's also been uh, uh, surprising and and uh, challenging and delightful. All of those things. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's interesting that you say, you know, the last five years have been even more challenging. I think that's what we're going to dive into in a little bit, because I, I think as a regular old person observing church and Christianity over the last five years, I feel like there's been some kind of shift happening mm. as a regular old person. So um, I, you know, I think we'll kind of dive in a little bit more with that. I think, you know, with these years of experience, 
um, that you have as a pastor and being a church leader for all these years, how do you feel you've experienced or seen the church in daily life over the years? Like, how do you see it progressing? Oh, boy. So <laughs> the church is a whole thing, as you know, Carrie. And, mm-hmm. and here we are in 2023. And, you know, so we've got the very modern technological church of the 21st century, but but it's a church that is steeped in just uh, Americanism and evangelicalism and broader uh, Christian faith. And, and it's, it's a really, a, it's a melting pot, but I don't want to get too far afield on that and try to get to what you're, I think what you're asking and feel free to interrupt me and just kind of go even where you want to go. Bottom line, I think the church is in a hot mess right now. I mm-hmm. absolutely do. Uh, having been a leader in the church for uh, as long as I have, seeing what I have seen, I think the church has become incredibly institutional, uh, wildly bureaucratic. I think it has become very self-indulgent and materialistic. Um, I think it's been largely ineffective in so many ways, uh, partly because of the reasons I just said, but I suppose other reasons as well. And so because of that, the church continues to generally lose its relevance. Um, in, in biblical terms, it's 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 losing its saltiness, its light, and it's kind of become this blah. Uh, we don't even know what is it and what is it for and what good is it doing anyway. And not surprisingly, is losing people in droves. So, yes. And I wonder a little bit more about what's, what do you think the why is behind it? Okay, so it's more institutionalized, more bureaucratic, you're saying, and more materialistic. Those are like hard things. So do you think any one of those sticks out behind the why that you feel like this kind of hot mess-ish is coming up? So the one that sticks out in my experience, is the institu- institutionality of the church. Uh, gotcha. The church is in so many ways basically no different than any other organization or institution. It likes to think that it's different. You know, it has a spiritual mandate, has a biblical mandate, has a divine ma- mandate. And I, and I don't disagree with that, but to the degree that it is so institutionalized, it just, it looks like any other business or corporation or entity that is run by a bureaucracy that is more about the institution than it is about actually doing God's work. And so what this looks like very practically is like in any organization and institution and in, in, in a model that follows it, it's really about money and power and control and authority. And it's the very opposite of what Jesus said his followers and his his people should look like. Uh, you know, there's so much teaching in the New Testament that Jesus spoke to that, you know, uh, let none of you be teachers, let none of you be called rabbi. In other words, you know what, don't be looking to th- these people to be your guru and to be your boss, to be your superintendent, to be your a grand poobah of anything. And yet that's exactly how the church is run today is by basically by grand poobahs. And, you know, and they, they, they try to say, well, but it's, we're, 
it's a it's not just an individual it's a group of us but it's still the same mentality and it's protecting the institution is protecting the asses or the assets of the institution and it just is we don't respect that at the end of the day and it's certainly people who have a love for jesus who have a love for faith and and doing god's work we just don't respect that it seems to be like a challenge between the institution is important than the people right you know what like you know when you're saying that and i i feel that too as a christian and just my experience and just anything you read or see out there there's a lot of institution talk, but if we put that aside and you're really, you know, Christians based in being Jesus followers and things like that, I feel it should be beyond the institution, but are we stuck in the institution a little bit? I think we're very stuck and we've gotten so accustomed to this being the norm that when you think outside of the norm, you're, you're seen as some sort of weirdo or rabble rouser mm -hmm. or maverick. <laughs> You know, right. um, as versus yeah. like, actually, isn't this exactly what Jesus taught? You know, right. where where in the New Testament do we see where do we see Jesus saying, build buildings, build bureaucracies, mm -hmm. build organization? Where did we see Jesus saying even assemble worship services? Now, again, I'm not saying that those things are necessarily things that sh that shouldn't be done or are evil or sure. or wrong, right. but it's like. Why is that the emphasis for us now, mm -hmm. right? Right. And right. whereas Jesus's emphasis was like you said, it's the people. It's ministering mm -hmm. to the people on the ground with practical needs and, and teaching a kingdom that was not about the buildings and the bureaucracy, but it was about bringing God into the lives of people and ministering to very practical as well as spiritual needs. And just mm -hmm. to that point, his opposition... <laughs> Uh, as he taught, you know, you can tell what you're about by what you say, but you can also tell what you're about by who oppose you and and who you speak, uh, you know, as the as kind of the opposite of what you're about. And of course, what mm -hmm. the opposite of what Jesus was about were the institutionalists, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the chief priests, the religionists of the day. The, they were they were part of the established religion, mm -hmm. the institution. And so I think we all understand this, people who understand the Bible, but somehow we become exactly what Jesus taught us not to be. He said, beware the leaven of the Pharisees and of the Sadducees and of the chief priests. And instead of being aware of it, we become it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm. So I think this is a good leeway into... Um... This, this big topic today, which is what you kind of talked about in the very, very start, which was church participation is on the decline today, especially among young people. I would say young people like 20s and under, maybe 30s and under. What do you feel? I think we've, we've gone a little bit into this, but what is contributing to this? Or what do you think may need to change to improve this? I think you we know, talked a little bit about what's contributing, but maybe what, what needs to happen to improve? So I'm a pretty honest person and pretty straightforward. And, you know, I, I, I guess I, I apologize where I need to, but if it's the truth, then you got to just speak it out. And honestly, I think it's probably a good thing that the church is declining and people will be like, oh, how can he say that as a pastor and as a right. person of faith? Well, listen, if something is, is unhealthy and does not have real hope for health because they're so stuck in their their unhealth, 
then then they may need to die. They may need they may need to diminish at least, and they may need to then be you know it's like a plant that's dying, um, and they cannot be uh, revitalized. Okay, well then that you got to take that plant and you got to put it in better soil. You got to put it in a better pot. You got to you got to transform. You can't if you can't nurture it back to health. And I don't honestly think this church can be nurtured back to health. I'll just say it. Okay. Yeah. And um, do you think though some are hanging on and trying? Oh yeah, absolutely. I think institutionally they're hanging on, they're white gripping it, you know, mm -hmm. white knuckling it to try to hang on. And uh and which is why so many churches today are run by uh the 60 plus, you know, the, the 25, 60 plus year old white people that are mm -hmm. white knuckling their power and control to keep the building or to keep the program or to keep their tradition when the truth is in about 15 years they're all going to be dead or, or or close to it and that church has no future well mm -hmm. the churches who are actually thinking about this are thinking okay what do we need to do to have vitality or even more specifically, what is God calling us to do to be faithful? And I don't think a lot of churches are really wrestling with that. They're, they say they're wrestling with that, but really it's how do we keep control? How do we maintain our, our traditions and, and our sentiments and our, our you know, power over these things? And, and that just is not going to get the job done. And, you know, I don't, it's not just young people. I'm 52 years old, Carrie. Uh, I'm a grandparent and I don't respect that. I don't, I don't look at that and go, gee whiz, I want to follow that. Or I, I I'm, I'm inspired by that. So it's not a matter of just young people. It's anybody who really wants to be faithful as unto the Lord It's anybody who really wants to see God's kingdom on this earth, who really wants to see the heart of Jesus expressed. It's like, we need something different and better. And, and, and that's right. that, it's going to satisfy us and our longing and this world. So different and better. What is that? Like when you think about your years and where you're, where you're, how you're, I guess, ministering to the word now, what is different and better? Like, what do you think? <laughs> well, like, I don't pretend. I mean, you know, you know, it's okay. a great question. And I don't pretend to know to, to have like, oh, I've got, this 12 step plan of, right. of uh, we all want it. We all want the 12 step plan. And here, I just don't have that now. And, and I'll be honest, I probably am a better deconstructor than I am a constructor. And that's probably true for most of us. Right. I'm, I'm a better critic than I am a, a builder, right. but I am trying yeah. to, all right, how do we build? Um, and so in part of the building process, is there's not much of a roadmap for it. That's been my big challenge. It's like, okay, I know how to tear down a bit. You just take the sledgehammer, <laughs> you know, you just start, or the bulldozer, like tear it all down. But obviously that's not very kind. It's not very nice. And it creates a big mess. And so people don't like that. And so I, you know, realistically, I don't take the bulldozer to things. Um, but then it's like, what's the blueprint to start building something better, right? This is what doesn't exist. And this is why I say I don't have the answers because I think we're trying to figure that out. But here are some things just to chew on that, that we're chewing on. So mm -hmm. I, I absolutely believe it includes um, 
It includes humility. So basic. And yet so uncommon. So humility looks like we don't know all the answers. We know we've made mistakes. Maybe we need to really to change things up uh, and recognize that that and and part of humility is and we don't even know where this is going. Mm-hmm. I found myself mm-hmm. in that place and uh, so often in this, which is scary, by the way, because mm-hmm. I like I like to have a sense of I've got control or I have predictability, I have security, and we've been on this journey the last three to five years where that has not been the case. Okay. Mm-hmm. So that's why I, I encompass all that in just kind of um, whether you want to call it epistemological or existential humility, uh, where where we're just willing to be challenged and we're willing to learn yeah. new things. So that's one. Another one is helping people who really need help, mm-hmm. whether it's the poor, the disenfranchised, uh, the excluded, the marginalized, the vulnerable. Uh, those who have fallen through the cracks of the system and who are suffering and struggling. Um, I think that is a critical part of the solution answer. Now, that's just, those are, you know, that's just kind of a category. Well, how do you do that? That, you know, that poses a whole nother bevy of questions, right? Right. But I think that's absolutely needed in moving forward because we live in a world where we just, we're just so about ourselves, our own comforts, our own desires. We're Mm -hmm. very self-indulgent. And that's, by by the way, that's part of the church's problem is that we have actually created a system that feeds people self-indulgence as versus uh, um, uh, mobilizes them and challenges them and, and build structures to help them to feel to help other people who are who are who need mm-hmm. assistance and help, and and so mm-hmm. we're ill-equipped to actually to do that kind of work because we're so busy about our own felt needs and our own felt comforts. Uh, it just as a little bit of a side here, Carrie, uh, we restructured our church in part because, as a pastor, I realized after so many years, I'm I'm a part of the problem. I'm I'm a part mm-hmm. of the system that's just teaching people to feed themselves and indulge themselves and and be comfortable and uh and feel good about it and it's like no why we should probably be uncomfortable about how self-centered and self-absorbed we are which as versus actually caring about others so um and doing things that that help others so that's yeah. the second thing. and the third thing i would just mention um is real community so humility to uh, helping those who need help, the poor and the vulnerable, and then three, real relationship and community. And and in saying this, <laughs> I have read fifty books on relationship and community. A hundred, I don't know, probably over a hundred, mm-hmm. honestly, because it's like the favorite topic of of churches and pastors. Mm-hmm. And I've yet to find hardly any churches who know how to do it. They're mm-hmm. they're they're either too controlling and dogmatic and like in your face and the regulated legalistic, whatever you want to call it. It's like, this is how you do it. And this is what it looks like. You gotta, you gotta meet every other day. Wednesdays at seven o'clock and, and you gotta, you know, you gotta drink coffee or you gotta uh, fast from this or whatever. It's just, it's kind of like, uh, anyway, we create all these mm-hmm. rules for fellowship and community 
Um, but the heart is, is that we understand how valuable and how needed this is. Mm -hmm. And, and so I, because it's innate, it's in us deeply, just like, um, you know, we believe as yes. Christians, Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy mm -hmm. Spirit, and the three, uh, the divine uh, um, Trinity all had relationship and fellowship inherently, you know, uh, mm -hmm. and, and we who are made in God's image have this desire innately to be in relationship and in true connection. But if, but it's oftentimes based on either really unhealthy things or kind of like silly mm -hmm. things that, mm -hmm. that really mm -hmm. build community. I think a lot of community is based on what I just said, one and two humility. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. We really, we don't have it all figured right. out and I'm right. committing myself to be a learner and to, to learn from you, sure. just like, you know, I want to be able, and then two, helping those who have real needs. And so mm -hmm. if you're doing one and two, that's a, probably a good, you know, one, two punch for how you really start building community. And I think that's essential to, to accomplishing what God wants to accomplish. Uh, and I think it's one of the biggest needs that we have in society and in the church today. Right. I like how you're saying this idea of what is real community. I think it's changed right in the past, at least to me and maybe for other people, church was a lot about the rules, right? You were just saying that there's the rules. You show up on Sunday and your Sunday best and you re Pent and you go back out into the world and you're done with your Christianity, right? Like, and those rules and those, those habits, I think people get around in the name of Christianity and church are very comfortable. They work for a lot of people. They have worked for many people for a very long time, but something's happening that the way we're connecting, like you're saying, there's no blueprint. So clearly something around community, like you're saying, has to change in this name of humility and really reaching community and not always knowing. And by the way, I like no answers as much as I'm a control freak. I love the idea of I don't really have the answers, but this is something to talk about because I think we get to the answers when we kind of dive in a little bit with this mm -hmm. stuff. And I think this leads into this social and racial justice uh, mm -hmm. topic. And, you know, these are hard topics for many of us to, to talk about today. Mm -hmm. And how do you think, let's dive in a little bit here with the role of our church case, our church leadership in social and racial justice. What yeah. is that role? What do you think about that? What is it for church? What is it for leaders in church? What's well, it look like? I'll, I'll, I'll start here. Um, Jesus was the most socially, eth ethnically, um, rebellious and i don't that's not the right word but uh he destroyed all of the previous kind of um expectations of that when he came to this earth you know uh, you you had these incredibly hard and fast rules between jew and gentile you know jew and the and the romans and and the uh surrounding nations you had these incredible rules between the clean and the unclean, you know, uh, mm -hmm. members of the temple and non-members of the temple. You had all these rules between the, the haves and the have-nots, and Jesus just exploded those things. I mean, you talk about somebody who just shook up the social norms of the day. That was Jesus. And so, um, you know, when you in, 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 in a society, in a world that was incredibly... Uh, separated and segmented i mean like hard hard lines right jesus blurred those lines and what did he do he created a society 
that men and women were in equal standing. That was shocking in his day. I mean, that absolutely mm -hmm. uh, scandalized the the people of his day and the men, of course, those in power are always the ones right. who are scandalized by these type right. of things. So the men are scandalized. Uh, the religious leaders are scandalized by by leveling the field of who can actually, you know, uh, who who's closer to God. It's not you, you religious nuts. It's it's the people who are poor and and who seem far off. And the same thing with wealth. It, it wasn't the rich who were close to God. It was the poor who were close to God, you know. And and it's it's harder the uh, than a camel to go through an eye of a needle than a rich person to go into the kingdom. And he said crazy stuff like that, or um, seemingly crazy stuff. And so same right. way with, with races and ethnicity. You know, Jesus created a society that there were no barriers and boundaries, unlike the what the rest of the world were living by. And so it was this incredibly mixed society where the only thing that united and the only thing that mattered was him a relationship with with god at, at, through faith and so uh i think it was incredibly scandalous i think it was one of the reasons why the early church was so persecuted uh and hated because they were misunderstood um you you had a society where really black and whites were equal where Jews and Gentiles were equal, poor and rich were equal. Now, by the way, not perfectly, which is why in mm -hmm. you know various texts in the New Testament, uh, the, the biblical writers had to rebuke churches and church leaders for allowing for there to be that kind of division and distinction in handling people, you know, part sins of partiality. You know, we make a huge deal of the sins of homosexuality. And I've said to our church, you should be making a bigger deal of the sins of partiality. Uh, and people are like, what's that? <laughs> well, mm -hmm. you know, the Bible makes a huge uh, thing about the sin of partiality because they yeah, were. Tell us more about partiality. Well, partiality, more was, about partiality. was, it was uh, James in the book of James. You had the, uh, okay. uh, clearly the, the wealthy people who were coming in with fine clothes and, okay. you know, who were clearly intelligent or who had something to offer the church. They were getting the best seats. They were getting the best positions. They were getting the attention from the church uh, leaders. Again, so what we're facing today isn't new. <laughs> this is, they were facing mm -hmm. it back then too. And sure. so the poor people, they had the cheap seats. They, they were getting very little attention. And James says, you wicked people, you need to stop that. That is unacceptable and needs to be eradicated from the church of Jesus Christ. And so... Um, this is normal and natural and is unacceptable for, for the church. Uh, mm -hmm. But yeah, that's the sin of, sin of partiality. Okay. Okay. Got that. Okay. So, so it's funny because I think about this too. So who was Jesus hanging out with, right? Like, you know, and we're speaking of social and racial justice and you read the stories in the New Testament. Now I'm no Bible scholar here. I'm very limited, but um he was hanging out with people that weren't the most fancy or the most wealthy, right? He was highlighting just regular old people, maybe people that, again, were not as uh, valued in society. You know, then this is who we are as Christians are following, right? This was the example he set, right? Like, this is kind of what you're saying. It's like he had, I'm putting it in my words, but like, <laughs> you know, that he was not necessarily, he was just being regular and wanting to highlight that regularness amongst his and followers. 
And so that which we know about Jesus and his ministry and his teaching was extremely scandalous back in his day. And even today, mm -hmm. uh, we're kind of like, well, wouldn't that be nice? But we don't do it very effectively. Mm -hmm. Or maybe we just kind of gotten mm -hmm. lazy or it's just like, well, we'll leave it to other churches or whatever. Mm -hmm. What I would say is, I don't think there's any other society on the face of the earth. Okay. Mm -hmm. There is no other society on the face of the earth that is better equipped or more strictly robustly commissioned to have a utterly diverse inclusive society than the followers of christ there's no one better equipped or more strictly called and so if that, if I'm right about that, which by the way, I, you know, that's where you go all the mm -hmm. Bible teaching. If I'm right about that, mm -hmm. then boy, are we failing mm -hmm. as a church mm -hmm. with our, you know, the whole Sunday being the most segregated hour, you know, Sunday morning being the most segregated hour of the week. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It's, I was just thinking about that. That's the saying, right? That what's the most, that I don't know, whatever time, Sunday at 11 o'clock, whatever time everybody yeah. goes to church, it's the most yep. segregated hour of the week. Yeah. Um, and what that means as far as racial and social justice, right? But that we've had a history of that. Connected what I said earlier. If we mm -hmm. as church leaders have participated in and discipled people into self-indulgence, mm -hmm. into mm -hmm. self-absorption, into what is best and easy for me, then it makes complete sense. Because truth is, is our comfort is we like to be around people who look like us, sound like us, who agree with us. And so you got your Republican churches, you got your Democrat churches, you've got your white, your black or whatever. This is true all the way around. And he, because also you get back to humility. We need to be able to learn from poor people. We need to be able to learn from uh, different ethnicities and backgrounds. We need to, I'm adopted. Uh, we need to learn from people who've been adopted, who are former orphans. Uh, we need to learn from people who have been oppressed and marginalized. And, and so, but that requires humility. Yeah. yeah. And you know, you're, you're bringing up something super important. So I think for church, speaking of church and Christians going to a church, it provides a comfort zone. Like I go there to hear my pastor motivate me for the week. I feel good when I go there, right? I can go there, you know, whatever. I'm just saying I, but, and then I kind of get what I need and leave. But when I go there, if my church is majority white or my church, you know, like how do we, what's happening? Do you know, like in that sense of we're only going for ourselves, we're being very confirmed or unconfirmed, depending on what kind of style of church, because, you know, we say there's a, there's, there is politics, there is stuff mixed in. I think churches have to talk about current events. So they're going to talk about politics, right? Sure. But you know, that's life. But like, what? I, there just seems to be this, um, you know, what you're saying, this idea of if we're going to go back to this, there's no blueprint, but if we're going to go back to reaching community differently, we can't show up at church just for ourselves to get ourselves to heaven, to get ourselves to doing the way we feel good, right? Is there something, what does that new community look like? Because you're just saying, you know, it's our, we're segregated still in certain ways. Some churches are certainly more diverse than others, but so I don't want to act like all churches are, but there's something around that conversation of what we Christians are doing when we yeah. go. What is our purpose if we're truly following Christ? Yeah, you, you hit it on the head. When we get there. You know, uh, you reap 
what you sow. That's mm -hmm. the biblical principle. And by the way, we know that's all true. So yeah, whatever, what, whatever the church is today, it is what mm -hmm. we have sown. Okay. And so what you're saying, Carrie, is we have sown all of this self-indulgence. This what's coming. You know, I want the music to be what I like. I like contemporary. I like hymns. I like songs that say this. I like songs that feel this way. I mean, you name it. I like the coffee this way. I like the children's ministry that way, you know, and it's all about, uh, yeah. it's all about what makes me happy and what I feel comfortable. So we have sown to that and we have reaped a church that has all of the issues that we've already discussed. So it's kind right. of a duh in that sense. <laughs> Right. We, it's like you just said, we have to kind of we have to redo it because you're right. We get stuck in the kind of music we think is acceptable for church. We get stuck in like how we think we need to connect and fellowship afterwards. We get stuck in these things that really, you know, Jesus didn't, you know, his apostles were quite a group, right? Like, you know, they met in all sorts of places that, you know, so like if we're really back to that connection to Christianity as followers of Jesus, we do get hung up as in our humanness. We're lost and hung up, right? In the rules, the things, and then that affects our really ability to maybe be as invested so in that Christianity. To thing, that point, Gary, break mm -hmm. down even further. When we're so embroiled in those type of things, we don't have bandwidth. We don't have time to help the poor, other than maybe a missions trip to Africa every, I mean, then even that's kind of uh, for the rich who can, who can spend money like that, but we don't have bandwidth to, to think about the needs of others who are not like us because we're so busy dealing with shit. You know what? Baptism needs to be sprinkling only 12 drops of water or baptism needs to be, you need to get dunked under a water. You need to go to a swimming, you need to go to a lake and literally we are more concerned about that kind of stuff than we, and we have no room really to deal with the real stuff. And I'll just say that, that nonsense about how much water and baptism is just ridiculous. Mm -hmm. And it's the kind of stuff that church people love to argue about and fascinate over. And then, and here's the thing. And they think that they're being righteous in doing so. Mm -hmm. They think this is what it means to be a true Christian. They think this is what it means to be faithful as unto the Lord is to, is to fight for sprinkling as versus dunking. And mm -hmm. boy, now I've really done God's work. And I'm just like, are you kidding me? No wonder mm -hmm. the church is such a mess. So it's like people getting lost in procedures over the passion and faith following christ you're you're yeah. lost in the procedures of, and really to be honest is there really one way there's lots of ways to follow right like we're saying and none of them really should be the 12 drops or dunking or whatever those are procedural things in christianity which i so think small. is we can get lost in those yeah okay so let's talk a little bit about these two questions i always ask everybody because this kind of gets into a whole other thing is what do you think the real conversation about christianity and church today, what is it? What's the real conversation around Christianity slash church? Because I feel like they're together and separate sometimes today. When you say the real conversation, what do you mean by that? What do you think needs to be talked about that's not being uh, talked about? <laughs> What's the real thing we need to talk about? We've talked a lot about it already, I think, but what do you think that like priority thing that's sticking out to you that's the real conversation? 
Uh, I think we've been talking about some of those things, quite frankly. Yeah, the I think so. Yeah, dullness so. and even deadness of the church. I think that's that's a real conversation. But I'll give you a couple mm -hmm. of other things. Okay. I think the the politi <laughs> the politicization of the church is a real conversation piece. I think it's ugly. I think it's deadening. Mm -hmm. I think it is. Um, it keeps people sadly you know, separated, polemical and misguided as versus working together to, to accomplish really things that are, that are Jesus oriented as versus politically oriented. I think we, I think the, the whole uh, Republican, Democrat, liberal, conservative discussion has uh, infiltrated the, the church to the point of it, the, a little leaven leavens the whole lump and boy has the church been leavened by the, the Fox slash cnn you know whatever msnbc kind of thinking and um it's just ugly it's just ugly so that's one thing uh the other thing i would mention in terms of what is the conversation i think it should be uh the patriarchal uh ness of the church today which also i think is just deeply unbiblical and and ugly and destructive okay and so in you know, there's an interesting book, by the way, which will give you, I mean, if I haven't already revealed mm -hmm. all of my colors, uh, <laughs> this book will, is called Jesus and John Wayne. Um, mm -hmm. And, and it, it it lays out a history of the, the white evangelical uh, love of masculinity or masculinity as, as revealed by kind of that, that John Wayne caricature mm -hmm, mm -hmm. character mm -hmm, and how mm -hmm. the church has really taken that on and how that has impacted um just even what we're talking about politics and you know mm -hmm. male female stuff and and gender mm -hmm. and sexuality and things of that nature sure. but i think that 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 the domination of maleness and of men mm -hmm. and the power bro brokering in the mm -hmm. church, the diminishing of women and of uh, uh, femininity is mm -hmm. really something that should be talked about. I think the church is, uh, it's it, its also part of what is destroying the legitimacy and mm -hmm. the, the, the veracity and the, uh, the life, the, the life, I guess, the life in the church. Mm -hmm. The life. Mm -hmm. yeah. So that is a whole other topic. Like, yes, it is. I mean, we could really dive <laughs> in with that. Um, but I do think when we're talking about what's the real conversation, what's something that should be said? Yes, like this idea of the, yeah, I think we could really talk a lot about what the roles are in the patriarchy and the church and all that. That'd be so interesting. I remember when I um, had gone to a church I've gone to for years and I switched and there was a, a woman pastor and I didn't grow up with any of that. And I was like, whoa, this is right. so... Cool. Right. Like at first I didn't know what about it. I was like, is this allowed? Does Jesus say this is okay? You know? And so it is okay, obviously, but it can feel weird, especially depending on what your experience has been in Christianity all your life or not, right? For people to resist a lot of that. And, you know, yeah, I, it is sad to me in a sense that that religion has become that political conversation. Well, and, you know, I don't know. I I always think there's like this church state thing. They always say we're supposed to be separate, but can you be? I don't know. You know, it's that's a complicated whole other issue, but that yeah. is part of the real conversation because I think if we're all being honest and we look at everybody's very in tune to social media today, whether you and me are doesn't matter, but people are, 
And there's a lot of that that goes on about the views in the name of the church. I'm saying this name of the church. And, yeah. you know, I, I don't know. I just, I personally think that's it's something to think about. And, you know, I don't know. It's, it's a day. It's something that we have to kind of understand, I think, and talk about out loud. So, so that's exactly it. And so what I would say is every Christian, every church. Now, by the way, this should be all everybody, but we're talking about the church. We're talking about as people. Right, of faith, right, right. People right. Yeah, yeah. We need right, to, right. we need to have an honest conversation with ourselves and with others. Okay. And we, again, go back to humility and be really, truly willing to listen and to hear and to change. It's, it's so interesting, Carrie, because the basis of our faith or the basis of our practice is um, is the concept of repentance. Mm -hmm. uh, Tim Keller has a really a powerful article. Uh, he's a pastor out of New York or uh, author. I don't know if he's a pastor anymore, but uh, um, and uh, he has an article that's called All Life is Repentance. OK, mm -hmm. and it's been very he's been very influential. And yet, I dare say most Christians do not live a life of repentance because they're so convinced they're right. They're so stuck mm -hmm. in their whatever tradition, their rightness, their institutionality. And, and, and so that's what's got to change is we, we have to have a real honest conversation with ourselves, with others, and be willing to repent. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. And really think about that. Am I really being, when you're repenting, and thinking about this idea of your sins as a Christian, because we all talk about that, right? Yeah. Are you truthful with yourself as to how you're, you know, walking in your faith? And, you know, if we are, as Christians, saying we are followers of Jesus, you know, w, what's the WWJD? What would Jesus do? I mean, should right. we just be thinking that all the time and get a little more real with, like, what was it like, you know, when Jesus was making choices here on earth and doing the things he did? Because it does seem different than how we follow today as a group, I think, um, in that sense. And so that's just such an important, important thing to note, I think, that yeah. we are just, what are we truly as a group, as a church, doing that faith in the way that a follower of Jesus really is? Or are we stuck in some of our rituals and our routines and we need to make a change? And unless and until we get there, the church is going to continue to decline, which is a really a nice way of saying it's dying. The church as we know it is dying. Yeah, it is. Kind of back to what we said in the beginning. There's just attendance is down and it's the conversation amongst people of you know, church leaders, I believe, that I talk with. Um, it's a it's a thing, it's a real conversation. And it's scary to think about that because some people really are have a faith. They just don't know where to go practice it with people because they don't feel they fit there. Yeah. And, that's that mean. So I, and I, so therefore, ironically, we're really doing real harm to people's faith mm -hmm. and well-being because we should be representing mm -hmm. the heart of Jesus and, and really leading people to explore and to want and, and to uh, come to a, a place of knowledge and truth. And instead, we're doing exactly the opposite. Right. Because it should be a welcoming place where we come with all of our sins and all of our struggles. We go there and we say, Whoo, what am I doing? I'm walking in faith and I have no idea what's going on and really get that kind of feedback from your group there with that, not the go in and be like, you're not, these are the rules, that kind of thing. 
Okay. So what norm can we challenge here? So for example, many may think Christianity today is blank, but really it's blank. Can you fill in the blanks with that? Many might think Christianity today is blank, but really it's blank. And now we've been challenging Christianity in the church a lot, but what do you think? Um, well, the first thing that comes to my mind is many, I think most people think that Christianity is a religion. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, and I guess it depends on what what you mean by religion, but yeah. I don't think it is a religion. I think religion is actually I I want to put away religion from my life. Uh, when I think mm -hmm. about religion, I think about things I do religiously. Well, you know, I I I I eat pizza religiously. I I drink coffee every morning <laughs> religiously, you know. But I don't really I I religion is not something that I, I, um, exalt or really want to be a part of my life. So Christianity is not a religion. What is it? Right. Uh -huh. I think Christianity is a way. And actually mm. the early Christians called the faith of Jesus, the way, um, mm. the term Christian actually came about uh, I believe it was the church of Antioch and it was a disparagement. It was the people who said, mm -hmm. look at those people. They're Christians They They follow this Christ mm -hmm. figure. And it was actually a, 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 a slur. Okay. Mm -hmm. And, and so now we've taken it on as, as, um, as normal, but, but what the early church really, the way that, that followers of Christ called themselves are people of the way. Okay. And I think that's exactly right. I think that we, instead of being a religion, it is a way, it's a way of life. It's a way of thinking, mm -hmm. it's a way of loving and caring. It's a way of stewardship. Uh, it's a way, it's a pathway forward to, to journeying uh, with our creator, with our maker, with our, uh, with our Lord and God. So I, that's what I would say. Uh, yeah. So Christian, so what you're saying is many might think Christianity is a religion, but you're saying to you, it's not in your experience. It's a way of life. And, yeah. you know, and I wonder too, when you say that, because we've been just referencing, you know, Jesus, obviously throughout this conversation here, but Jesus didn't have, like, he wasn't Protestant or Catholic <laughs> or right. Like he didn't have a, a, a label. He was just, you were just following Jesus, right? He didn't have a, um, what's the word, a, not die, a, 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 a denomination. Um, what are they called? He didn't have a denomination. Thank you. He didn't have a denomination, yeah. right? So no, no, absolutely you know. not. You know, exactly. but you, that's it. okay. So you how, the other people listening may not know. So we want to make sure he didn't have a denomination. So no, that's important absolutely. for us to note in what you were saying, because that's where we get in our religion, right? We have our Christianity that underneath that is what, um, you know, which, which one are you, which, which Christian yeah. are you? Right. And then, I, but you're really challenging the idea that really, is it a religion or is it a way, a way, right, to follow? That's right. Okay. So, Ben, this has been very interesting. There's a lot of topics I think we could dive in a lot deeper with, of course, and go on for many, many hours. But I would love to hear what closing thoughts or ideas you have. Well, first of all, thank you for the opportunity just to even to kind of to, uh, think this out loud with you. I am an out loud mm -hmm. processor. And mm -hmm. I don't think I've ever actually had this kind of conversation that is going to be publicly dis disseminated, you know? So I'm actually curious to see uh, uh, who listens or if anybody <laughs> listens or, you know, yeah. what of that. But I will say this, 
I do believe this conversation needs to be taking place. I think what we're talking mm -hmm. about here is really significant and important. I think there's a lot that needs to be done and can be done. Um, I, I'm a part of that conversation. Again, not as somebody who's got the answers necessarily, but somebody who, who is conversant and is looking for other people who are also conversant and who want to move forward in that journey, who want to learn and grow and participate. And so I, I think the, the one thing I would say is I invite and I'm looking for others to, to walk with in this journey of faith and this, this journey along the way, okay? And so maybe if I could just give my email out loud, people can email yes. me. Uh, if, yeah, okay, great. So people can email yes, me at bwick, B-W-I-K 2010 at gmail.com, bwick2010 at gmail.com. And I would love to continue the conversation. I'm always thinking about how do we help? How do we move mm -hmm. things forward? How do we do the work that God has called us to do and be more effective? And, and you know, at the end of the day, I want to be that servant who, mm -hmm. you know, the master, at, when he comes back to, to get his accounts in order, he says, well done, good and faithful servant, enter into uh, the kingdom. And I, I, that's the servant I want to be as versus the one who who's nitpicking and who's complaining and who's kind of like making aspersions about about the master and who's playing it really safe and conservative and so he buries his talent in the ground he's like hey listen i here's what you gave me here's it back and he's like no you wicked and evil servant uh, you know get away from me we need to be people i believe the followers of the way the followers of jesus who take these gifts talents mm -hmm. lessons um resources and we're getting out there. We're taking risks. We are, we're, we're putting it out there. We're, you know, we're tilling the fields and cultivating uh, the gardens. And we come back with a real produce, with mm -hmm. real results, with real mm -hmm. um, tangible, concrete fruits that, uh, that God has helped us to, to give. So that's what I, I want to accomplish. And maybe even this podcast will, will allow for that to take place moving forward. Yes. And thank you for, I will make sure if anybody was listening, didn't get it in the show notes, I'll put your email in there. So if anybody wants to reach out to Pastor Ben, you can do that to continue the conversation. Well, with that, I appreciate your final thoughts. And I really appreciate having this conversation with you today. This is an important conversation that we need to be having. I'm glad that we have had that today. So thank you. Yeah, I feel like we have. Thank you, Carrie. And I look forward to continuing that. Yes. All right. Thank you for listening to The Courage. It would be great to hear from you. So send me a message through Anchor or reach out to me via email. Links are in the episode notes. Thank you. You got this. <laughs>